Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your, wait for it, wait for it, first place Miami Dolphins. I am Sam Marcu, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Nobody can keep him down, not even a hurricane or a frown, Mr. Christopher Colon. Chris, how the hell are you on this victory week, my friend? Victory week. Um, ever since we became a part of the Dolphins Talk Network, we are 1-0 and and undefeated, so I'm going to call that a win for us. Um, and yeah, the team looked okay. I mean, other than the craziest game I've ever seen in my life and it lasting until 8.30 p.m. Eastern time uh, with a start time of 1 p.m. Wow, what a weird freaking game, but I'm glad we came out with a victory. Perfectville is a part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I failed to say that at the beginning of the show. Sorry, Mike. Uh, but that is true. And you're right. Ever since we joined forces with DolphinsTalk.com, we are undefeated. And uh, I'm giving us all of that credit. However, ever since we've joined forces with DolphinsTalk.com, um, we have the longest game in the history of the NFL officially now because you are right that thing was a monster for me on the on the west coast here chris it started at 10 o'clock in the morning um it did not get done until five you know like five thirty, whatever that was the primetime game for sunday night was already on by the time this dolphins game was over so it was uh it was a freaking marathon and i never thought i'd say this but there is such thing as too much football um but at least we won, right? I mean, can you imagine being a Tennessee Titans fan, no. having to sit through all of that and then lose? And on top of that, your quarterback is injured, your tight end is done for the season, and you've got other injuries to deal with on top of that. So uh, at least we won, right? Yeah, I, one of my um, more popular tweets over the weekend was, uh, Jesus Christ, could you imagine waiting seven to eight hours to watch your team lose and be 0-1? I mean, just uh, that would be – honestly, if somebody told me one of the teams that is going to happen to, I would have totally believed before the game it would have been us. So oh, sure. um, I'm really happy it's not 1-0, fine. But, man, we haven't had a normal week one in like over three years because week one last year canceled due to, uh, due to Hurricane Irma. This week, uh, this year, uh, we go eight hours or what have you with multiple lightning delays, um, a three-minute halftime, and it just the mo- most obscure random thing you've ever seen in your life. But, yes, victory, 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 and we will take it. Yeah, the, the most bizarre thing for me is I, uh, I watched it live, and then I actually watched it um, – <laughs> uh, like you know, like the condensed version on NFL.com. Oh, yeah. I've got that package, and like, there's not one reference to the lightning at all. So they play the whole game in 30 minutes, and you're like, no, that's not what happened at all. <laughs> like the entire narrative of this is completely wrong. There's not one reference because they just cut all of that out, obviously. And it's like this, this, the actual game action was 36 minutes long. The game itself over seven hours long. It was, uh, it was quite the undertaking however i do want to do a shout out you you had a lot of fun in the man cave there i actually went out to la cabana which is a dolphins bar here in northern california and a very very tiny town called sassoon city and uh met all kinds of people um all, all kinds of people who listen to perfectville we got some new listeners new citizens out there i was actually handing out a ronde bagston to everyone here chris and uh nice. kind of a funny story it ties 
all of the the people that we're involved with together. Uh, I meet this one guy named Jeremy who is probably listening right now, and he goes, "Oh, you know, I already listened to a couple of Dolphins podcasts, but I could always throw you guys on too. What are you guys called?" And I go, "Oh, uh, we're called, you know, Welcome to Perfectville." And he goes, "Oh, I I actually." Uh, uh, already, you know, follow you guys on Twitter. I'm like, oh, cool. So you follow us on Twitter, but you don't listen to us yet. And he goes, no, I, I listen to a couple of other podcasts. And I go, oh, well, what are the podcasts you listen to? And the first podcast he says is, oh, I listen to Locked On Dolphins with Travis Wingfield. And I go, oh, that's pretty funny. Travis is a friend of ours. He used to work with us, actually, and write for our website. So that's pretty funny. I go, what's the other one you listen to? And he goes, oh, uh, I listen to Dolphins Talk. <laughs> <laughs> so the two podcasts that I listened to were Locked on Dolphins with Travis Wingfield and Dolphins Talk with Mike Oliva, uh, who we are a part of his network, obviously. So I said, well, you know what? It doesn't make any sense for you to not bridge that gap. So why don't you add us to it and you can become an official citizen of Perfectville. So he is now following us, listening to this right now. Shout out to Jeremy. Um, just uh, fun, man. It was it was a fun way to watch that game. If you're going to spend seven hours watching a football game, you want to do it with, you know, all of the... Uh, all of the Dolphins in your corner here. So we had about 40 or 50 Dolphins in this bar. We had the Perfectville banner. Uh, speaking of Travis Wingfield, he actually had that printed for us a couple of years ago. We had that flying. We had the giant Dolphins flag, old logo, new logo up. It was a blast, man. So uh, week one in the books. It's funny that you met a guy named Jeremy, and my brother's name is Jeremy, and I spent the entire game with him. So, um, yeah, friend, I've had family over, like crazy little nieces and nephews running around, my parents there. Everybody brought food. We made food. We had just a shit ton of booze. Monday was a tough day to go into work. Um, but, yeah, it was just uh, – it, it all ended with us singing and laughing because we won. So all in all, like you said, why not do it with friends and family and, and, and fans of the show? That's just the best way to do it, man. And uh, it worked out great because we are 1-0, and and we are one step closer to a playoff berth and surprising a lot of people. Yeah, you need 10 wins to get to the playoffs in this league, and uh, we have 10% of that victory out of the way. Uh, now, so what are your biggest thoughts on that? Here's Here's what I'm going to give you mine first because we haven't even started the show. We haven't gotten to the coin toss yet. We don't have our topics announced yet as to what we're going to talk about first half, second half. But I just wanted to kind of you know review this game here a little bit before we get into our topics. Uh, I, I went into this game um, not really knowing what to expect from the Miami Dolphins. I predicted a win, as did you, and our scores were not too far off from the final score, actually. Um, but I left away feeling more confident about the Miami Dolphins. And I, I don't know if that's false confidence or not because it was such a weird, bizarre game to be around. A lot of stars. A lot of stops, but uh, I left. I left feeling. You know what? We're able to control that game. There at no point during that game did I feel that the Miami Dolphins were not in control, uh, except for maybe one area where I thought we could have actually put the stamp on this and finish this game out, and we didn't. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. And of course, I'm talking about the Mike or uh, the Ryan Tannehill, uh, Mike Gesicki touchdown that wasn't that ended up being a, almost a pick six going the other way. Um, but this game, I really felt Miami dictated the pace of this game. Frank Gore looked great. Kenyon Drake looked great. Ryan Tannehill uh, did what he does best. You know, even him and Kenny Stills just have this uh, this chemistry that I think is going to uh, get more and more as, as, you, as you get into this season. I think Kenny Stills is going to be a force. I left this not only going, woo, cool, we won the game, but sometimes you win a game, Chris, and you're like, thank God we won that. We escaped. I didn't feel like we escaped. I feel like we won that game. We were a better team than the Tennessee Titans that, ga- that day. Uh, how do you feel? Yeah, with e- we had every reason to lose that game. Uh, if you wanted to go ahead and take the narrative before the season from every national pundit and even some local guys that we just weren't ready, we lost too much talent, and Gase is just not the coach for us, I think um, a lot was shown on Sunday 
that was exciting. And I agree with you. I think I am more confident. And it's odd to say that because of the scenario and the type of game we had. But um, we were in the locker room multiple times. We lost our home field advantage. Half yeah. the crowd, more than half the crowd dissipated. We lost our heat advantage because we were playing later in the evening. There's cloud coverage. Um, That's a great point. Uh, yeah, a lot of things that we lost that we thought we were going to be a big advantage in week one. Uh, at a, For a one o'clock start time, they're in darker uniforms. Our crowd was very loud and very mm-hmm. hot. I'll give them cre- credit in the beginning of the game. Um, and that went away because all of a sudden it's like a fourth quarter of a preseason game when we're playing because there's 15 people in the crowd. And big shout out to everybody that stayed there and, and stuck through that and stayed in the game and uh, got hurt on TV because you doll fans are like the reason why, um, you know, we appreciate you, you type of fans that are there doing the thing when we're out of state, Sam and I both wish we could be there to do that. You guys are just really representing and that was awesome. But um, absolutely. I mean, you see stills uh, we're without Devonte Parker. And I think Jakeem Grant did a very well job of stepping in his place. I think Adam Gase showed us that, um, we're going to spread the ball around. Uh, Jarvis Landry for four years with us became the highest grossing uh, reception leader in history for the first four years of his uh, career because we were just checking down to him, making him a focal point of our offense. And now Adam Gase, I feel like – uh, when he said he wanted his weapons and his type of guys, this is what we get the end result for. Yeah, uh, Gore only had 60-something yards rushing, and uh, Drake only had 38, 40 yards rushing. But combine them together, it's over 100-something yards with a great average per carry. Um, I even felt Gase went away from the run a little bit too much in the end of the game there. Um, but even that, if you take a look at the receptions, you know, you're looking at seven for Grant – or targets, uh, seven for Grant – Six for Stills, uh, four for Amendola. Gusecki got a bunch. We're spreading the ball around and making it difficult to really game plan against for defenses. And that's what Adam Gase wanted to do. And the first play of the game I thought was so cool where he had both Gore and Drake at running back split back or, uh, you know, Gore was the up back and we yeah, did a was... fake and a quick pass to Drake. It was unbelievable. That's the kind of stuff that we want to see. And that's what Gase wanted to do. I feel like he has the weapons down to do that. Now there's still a couple third down screens. I didn't agree with, and I wish we threw down the field a little bit more, but you know what? I felt way confident in it and I didn't miss Nandamakan Sue. I didn't miss Jarvis Landry. So it feels like as of just after one game, Gase made the right call so far and we looked okay. We look good. And I am confident. You know, it's interesting you talk about, you know, I want to talk about Jarvis Landry. I want to talk on Indomitian Sue, J.H.I., all these guys here a little bit later. But uh, one of the things that I thought was very interesting is that first play like you talked about, because both Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake were in the game. Frank Gore was essentially your fullback in terms of how you would traditionally line up. And Kenyon Drake was the uh, tailback. Uh, and I find it funny because we were giving Adam Gase so much shit for releasing that depth chart where he had both Frank Gore and Kenyon <laughs> yeah. Drake as the starters. Yeah. And as it turns out, he told us exactly what he was going to do, which was to start start Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake. So uh, I would like to say right now, I apologize, Adam Gase, because you told us exactly what you wanted to do. And I'm sitting here on this dumb podcast saying, what a dumb thing to do to put both running backs as your starter. But he did exactly that. He started with two running backs here, Chris. So, um, uh, But he owes genius. us an apology for them not being on each other's shoulders. So That's we'll, true. We'll call, we'll call it even. We'll call but it we did the, That was, I think, believe, on the defensive tackle side. And maybe <laughs> we don't right. want to reveal all of our cards week one. And there was lightning, so you don't want to make a big metal rod halfway up, you know, seven, eight feet tall. But, uh, no, it, it was um, it was very encouraging to see. And beyond just the, the dual running back threat that you saw with Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake, you also saw Albert Wilson running the ball, yeah. uh, which is a wrinkle that I had kind of forgotten about, quite frankly. Um, you saw everyone – I don't think anybody had more than five catches, but I mean that in a good way. He, like you said, he spread the ball all around um and and you mentioned his name and i'm glad you did because i was going to bring this up too 
I did not miss Devontae Parker at all. Nope. I, I don't think that this game um, hinged on him or his talent or, or, or his lack of ability to get on the field or, or stay uninjured. Um, I think, quite frankly, uh, Devontae Parker's days in Miami are numbered. I, I don't think he adds anything to the Miami Dolphins or takes away uh, when he's not there at this point. They, uh, they have enough redundancy at the wide receiver position that if I'm Devontae Parker and I watch that and I see how everyone else executed, I go, uh-oh, I'm out of a job, at least a starting job, if not a complete job at the Miami Dolphins. Well, yeah, because uh, that just gives Gase uh, opportunities to spread the ball around and not make one person a focal point. And that's what yeah. Bill Belichick does best as he takes your best player and he minimizes you. He just completely takes you out of the game. And when you have multiple guys that can do multiple things, like, for example, if we had Parker out there, maybe Butler's covering him and maybe the, the 2B corner is covering stills. Well, Parker's out and now all of a sudden Butler's co- covering stills. Didn't matter. 100 yards, two touchdowns. That's a testament to the talent that we still have on this team and the depth that we have at wide receiver, where Amendola was, had a pretty quiet game and we won and we feel in control the entire time. Now, week two, Amendola might be the focal point. You don't know. You don't know. Now you're, you see Stills having these numbers, two touchdowns, and uh, maybe the Jets are going to run out there now and they're going to game plan to take him out of the game. Well, guess what? Gusecki's time to shine or Drake out of the backfield or Amendola or Wilson's going to really get a lot of targets or Grant. Grant had more targets than anybody in the passing game mm-hmm. on Sunday. And I thought that was very interesting, especially thinking about Devontae Parker and that he was pre- basically his replacement uh, and the complete size difference. It couldn't be any more different. Um, and Grant still seven targets. I don't know if that was a game plan thing or an Adam Gase sending a message, a message thing, or maybe even Ryan Tannehill sending a message thing that um, I don't care who's out there. I'm going to throw it to Jake Team Grant because he's got talent. I want to get the ball in his hand. Um, I think one guy that really stood out the most, especially thinking about his kickoff return for a touchdown, how big that was. Jakeem Grant, yeah, thirty something yards receiving, but he he got separation, he got open, and I can totally see. And I would love to go back and listen to our show uh, from preseason last year, where I think we we're discussing Grant possibly being on the bubble. Yeah. Um, and needing to earn a role on this team. And I think Adam Gase fully trusts this guy, and he's going to be a huge part of our offense. No, we. Uh, I, I think Jakeem Grant, you know, over – I know that most improved player is year over year, but if you look at his rookie season two years ago to now, um, night and day. I mean, it, oh, yeah. the confidence is there. I mean, I remember him fumbling a punt return and just, like, basically laying on the field like my life is over uh, his rookie <laughs> season. And now he's returning kickoffs – for touchdowns, one of the longest, I think it's since 1989 or something like that, that for 102 yards, 103 yards. Uh, he's catching balls. He's involved in the offense. He's involved on special teams, uh, much more than I ever thought he would have been if you would told me this two years ago. I, I, I agree. I thought he was on the bubble last year. He's fully and firmly entrenched with this offense, uh, and he looks fantastic. Like I said, I think the odd man out right now is Devontae Parker, and if he doesn't get his shit together and if he's not motivated, motivated by the fear that he's going to be out of a job here before too long, um, I, I think the the Miami Dolphins could just say, you know what, we'll, we'll trade you for, uh, you know, uh, uh, extra pair of uprights for the practice bubble or something like that. <laughs> I mean, I don't think they necessarily need them. They have enough weapons there. Now, speaking of weapons, uh, one thing that we did do, I think the one negative spot that I saw a couple of times was uh, Ryan Tannehill and Adam Gase trying to force the ball to Mike Gesicki. And, you know, I think that was by design. And I think if they let it breathe a little bit more and just utilize the other weapons like they did uh, more effectively, or just you know more consistently, um, the looks and the touches for Mike Kosicki will be there. As I had mentioned on the uh, during the offseason, I think Mike Kosicki by the end of the year is going to be a force. But I think he's going to have to work his 
way into that. And uh, you saw it. I mean, he had, uh, I guess, half as many uh, snaps as A.J. Derby did. But when he was in there, they were trying to force the ball to him. And I think that's what happened on that interception in the in the end zone, which uh, both of them, are, I think, were, were on Ryan Tannehill for ball placement. But that one was particularly bad for a number of reasons. I thought it was a poor play call. I think it was an obvious play call. Uh, it was a bad ball by Ryan Tannehill. And Mike Gesicki had bad positioning. I mean, when you are a foot taller than the cornerback and then you also get out jumped uh, when you're supposed to be this guy who can just jump over everything. Um, that's just a bad play all the way around in terms of decision, execution, etc. And that was about the only real, real negative part that I saw from the Miami Dol- Dolphins week one. Yeah, I think um, there was a combination of things there. I think Adam Gase came out and said Tannehill, the ball slipped a little bit on him on the throw, which is uh, to be expected in a rainy game like that. Um, but even if that's not true, I think Gusecki too, I think you're completely right. It's It was predictable because it was the, I think that was the play call all along. Like that was jump ball to Gusecki. Here you go. Your time to shine. And he is a rookie and he's out there. One on one. Here's his opportunity. Maybe he got a little jelly legs. You know that happens. That that little your adrenaline's going a lot. You want to do something, and it, that's just the game's going to slow down for him. I agree completely. By the end of the year, he's going to be dominating. Uh, I know you don't like them at all, but watching that Raiders game, I think uh, the way John Gruden used Jared Cook early and took advantage of the his size and his ability to jump at, at tight end and uh, cause mismatches is what Adam Gase will and should do with Gusecki moving forward. But you're right. We have so many weapons where we need to just concentrate on the guys getting open and to naturally just let him fall into place uh, in this offense. Forcing things is just going to become predictable and cause um, issues with rhythm and things like that where uh, it's just unnecessary because we are doing completely fine with the, the way we are doing things. Yeah, and like I said, I never felt that that game got out of hand or was out of our control. That was the only time where I'm like, oh, we had them. We could have actually just put the stamp on them and ended this entire game. Um, but it didn't happen because of that. And, and like you said, whether the ball slipped a little bit or if it, it just, you know, like I said, it was a bad play call. And I think right there, uh, it, it made sense to run the ball. However, you know, we tried that a little bit earlier in short yardage and we weren't doing anything against that Tennessee Titans line, uh, you know, fourth and fourth and inches or whatever it was earlier in that game. So, or I guess third and short. But uh, anyway, uh, the last thing I want to talk about with this game, Chris, was uh, how do you think the rookies did? I mean, in particular, Mika Fitzpatrick was all over the field. But uh, our boy, Mr. Colonel Sanders, Jason, (laughs) uh, came up huge. I mean, uh, extra points, field goals, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, he's got to work on his kickoffs, in my opinion. Uh, That was a short kickoff that led to a kickoff return for the Tennessee Titans. But uh, how do you think the rookies as a class did for the Miami Dolphins week one? Well, I think for just Sanders, let's just stick with it and say uh, I love the field goals, two for two, uh, with a wet field, with uh, wind and crazy storms and things like that and odd color tones to the sky. And it's just a great game as a rookie or his opening game. It, it seemed like it had ice in his veins. So uh, field goals, extra points, extra crispy. Colonel Sanders uh, kicking ass. I liked it. Um, I, I do – Want to mention Gasicki, of course. He got that one catch for 11 yards and then a couple of flubs, but um, no big deal. I didn't see any big misses on blocks or anything like that, so I enjoyed what he did. Uh, I thought it was disappointing a little bit that Kalen Balage was um, inactive, but Sonoris Perry barely got in the game, and he was um, he was our third-string guy. So when you got a 1A and 1B starting running back, especially getting over 100 yards combined in the averages they did – um, really is going to be the gore in, in the Drake show, barring any injuries, knock on wood. But I liked how they looked. Um, but, man, Mika Fitzpatrick, I, he was a guy I wrote down and underlined and put stars next to. He's just going to be a superstar. Yep. And I think 
having him on the field with McDonald and Jones was one of the best decisions that uh, Matt Burke made to put McCain on the outside, who I think gave up like eight yards passing. He, he did fantastic. And just having Minka lined up, he's following guys around, tight ends around. He is going to be somebody that we can utilize in like a rover, a monster package, where he just you just line him up on the best guy, and I trust his athleticism. And one of the things I noticed about this guy was just unbelievable the way he positioned his body, the way he spun around, found the ball carrier, got in position, and made tackles sure tackles i think he had three solo tackles six or seven total combined but those three solos i think either saved a first down or saved a touchdown every time he was just lights out for a rookie the game wasn't too big for him you can tell he played on the big stage at alabama national championship games he was well coached because he went out there and he looked like a veteran and he looks like he's going to be the heir apparent to rashad jones who had a massive monster game himself um and pairing those two guys together, even with McDonald as the 3A, uh, the third wheel, so to speak, of the safety groups, um, is just almost unfair. Having that much athleticism on the field, 29 is the real fucking deal. It's like having Jeff Kent bat in front of Barry Bonds and protect him for the San Francisco Giants yeah. for all those years. I mean, putting Mika Fitzpatrick out there allows Rashad Jones to just roam where he wants to, and uh, it paid off. I mean, two plays in a row, Rashad, jo- Rashad goes in and stops the run play and then picks off uh, Marcus Mariota, I think, at that point. Then later comes back with another pick. Like you said, a monster game, and it's going to extend his career if Mika Fitzpatrick can stay healthy because you're Good right. Call. That guy's got superstar written all over him, and uh, it's going to allow Rashad Jones just to be uh, like that Ed Reed, that timeless classic for the Miami Dolphins, which uh, if that's where he's going to start transitioning into his career at this point, I am A-OK with that. Uh, um, no, I agree. I thought Jerome Baker looked okay out there. It was fun to see uh, the linebackers play. You know, they weren't perfect, but uh, much better than what I've seen, you know, late in the year last year and, and, and previous years. Um, so it was, uh, like I said, a very positive performance overall. Um, before we move on to uh, starting the show officially here, Chris, uh, I, I think I already know the answer to this, but uh, player of the game for you for the Miami Dolphins. Oh, man. Uh, player of the game for me has got to be Rashad Jones. Yeah, um, it has to be. It has yeah, to be. Two picks, the, 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 a few tackles for losses. That hit on Deion Lewis uh, where he just r- rushed in and fucking smashed him, scooped him, picked him up. I, re- I literally recorded the hit and took it to practice yesterday to my kids and showed them the tackle. I'm like, this is textbook. This is how you do it. This is a professional. This is just 100% textbook right there that's how you do it and Rashad Jones to see him out there um he finally he deserves to have a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick back there and some speed at linebackers in front of him and kudos to Matt Burke for not being one of those coaches like well this is just how I do things sorry Rashad you got to play uh free safety there he's going to move things around take the talent he has and make it work and I think it was just a fucking golden call to put McCain on the outside, Minka in the slot where he played 60, 70% of the snaps in college and keep McDonald and Jones out there and let Jones fucking roam around. Let him do his job. Let him do what he's best at. And that's reading quarterbacks. Uh, that's reading their eyes. That's finding the hot guy and jumping in front of it, making tackles. He is just the MVP of this, this entire team so far. And it's just going to only get better from here because he's going to get more comfortable in the shell. Um, and he's done it to Matt Ryan. He's done it to Mar- Mariota. Uh, he, this guy, the guy's a fucking superstar and having Minka just helps him. Yeah, McCain actually had a nice swat on the end zone early in that game as well, which yep. uh, helped prevent. I thought he could have picked that. God, I, I did too. But you know what? On the replay, looking at it, uh, if he goes for the pick, that thing's a touchdown because there's no yeah. way he can extend to get there. So he he made the right play. Um, 
Uh, I'm going to go with just because uh, we like to have two people instead of one, and we like to spread the ball around just like we did on offense. I'm going to go offense and go Kenny Stills. Um, here's why. Uh, everyone knows Kenny Stills as the uh, as the nine route, right? He's the guy that runs real fast down the middle of the, uh, the field, catches the ball, and runs it in for a touchdown, and he did exactly that. Uh, but the guy was running the entire route tree out there. Uh, he's obviously got a rapport with Ryan Tannehill. Um, he's doing everything he possibly can to be a true number one wide receiver, and I think his attitude is something that Adam Gase really appreciates. Um, Keep an eye, if you're not already, on Kenny Stills. By the end of this year, I think Kenny Stills is going to be uh, considered a, a bona fide number one wide receiver, not only for the Miami Dolphins, but in the league. I, I have high hopes on Kenny Stills going forward. As uh, Kabir Singh would say, Kenny skills after week one. <laughs> well, uh, and he, I mean, he can be a guy that can fully fall into place as like a Doug Baldwin in the AFC, uh, where he just does everything. He's fast. Yeah, he knows the nine route. He goes deep, but he also can do everything. That first touchdown, that out route was fantastic. Great ball play. Play, and great, best play design I've seen in a while, too, by the way. Yeah, it was like a pick without being a pick. It was I mean, close to being legal. We took advantage of their defensive scheme and used uh, Grant and, and Stills' speed to take advantage of their corners. And Tannehill had to make a perfect throw, and he did. Stills caught it, got up the field, touchdown. That was just beautiful. And I just felt like Gase and Burke both – uh, got to be creative instead of like trying to just not lose or not give up a competitive uh, advantage based on the talent that he had around him. Special shout out too before we move on to the next game, Sam, to our offensive line. I felt like Tannehill had time to throw. I, I, I wasn't expecting that at all. Sitting at left guard is just a fucking Viking monster. I love seeing his long hair and him just be Viking a stonewall. Stonewall. And and even Tunzel had a few penalties, but Juwan James was having pancake blocks. Uh, Brian Arakbo did basically nothing, and he's a big name out there. So, I mean, just kudos to the offensive line who, if we're not talking about him, that's a good thing. But I definitely want to give a shout out because um, Tannehill looked clean and he was able to pick apart the defense. And I, I saw a difference in him in his progressions as a passer because he trusted his O-line, and that's a huge confidence boost. So we have Kool-Aid Dan, we have <laughs> Kicking Thing 1 and Kicking Thing 2, and now we have Viking Monster Josh Sitton. Those are your three T-shirts right there. Um, and you're right, they did fantastic, although the best block of the day, and I will end our review of this game, uh, was by a certain overpaid defensive <laughs> end named Andre Branch, who uh, I think sums up this game best in that the Tennessee Titans are now in the body bag. Get him a body bag! Yeah! Uh, so that was the best block I'd seen that? all day. Luan just laid there like uh, Peter Griffin and Family Guy when he gets knocked out by the chicken, and then all of a sudden there's a fight, and he just jumped up like, what's up? I mean, I, 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 maybe a little bit of faking and flopping to get the penalty, but I maybe. also think he was concussed because he did leave the field and not come back. So He, he left uh, the field and he put a fishing hat on, which <laughs> I'm not even sure what the hell was going on there. But then a lot of lakes. He went fly fishing with some largemouth bass. I guess so. But how cool is Andre Branch? He just turns around and goes, I saw two sevens and I hit it and then goes body bag. Like, I, I can't pull that off. Like, if I hit a guy that hard, I'd probably go, oh, my God, are you so I'm sorry. Are you OK? But no, Andre Branch don't give a fuck. He like, you know what? He's on the field. He got pads. I don't give a shit. Body bag, bitch. And then walked over him. It was a clean hit. It was a clean hit. He used his shoulder. Uh, yeah, sure, he didn't see him coming. But guess what? Taylor Lewan would do the same fucking thing to somebody. Don't even guess he wouldn't. Uh, Andre Branch is clean. He didn't lead with his head. He didn't do anything uh, that he shouldn't have done, even in the realm of the rules of the NFL today. Um, and then just the shit talk afterwards made me happy and tingly in the insides because Titan fans got so salty about that afterwards. <laughs> Body bag. 
potting back. All right. Now, with that 30-minute intro, Chris, it's time to start this show. We've got uh, two stories, as you know. It's time for the coin toss. And uh, this year, or this week, I should say, this episode, uh, the coin is from 1996, and we always review the coin. Uh, do you know what happened in 1996 for the Miami Dolphins, Chris? Uh, we played 16 games. That is true. Do you happen to know who our coach was for the first time in a very long time? It was not Don Shula. It was... Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson's first year as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, as he told everyone on Fox the year before that if the Miami Dolphins did not win the Super Bowl with all the talent that they have, that there was something wrong. He basically set up Don Shula to fail. Don Shula went nine and seven and was forced into retirement. Jimmy Johnson comes in and promptly goes eight and eight. So whoops, fourth place for uh, the Miami Dolphins that year when there were five teams in the division, uh, the Indianapolis Colts were still with us at that point. Uh, but a very interesting season in that uh, first player the Miami Dolphins drafted in the Jimmy Johnson era. Do you remember? It's somebody you've interviewed before. Ooh, then it's got to be uh, Richmond Webb. No, it actually was Daryl Gardner. Richmond Webb was way back in like yeah, 91. Wait, yeah, yeah, he was with Marino, my bad. Yeah, yeah Daryl Gardner, I forgot I did have him on team. What a great guest. That was yeah, cool. we also had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the third round of that year, uh, which was the first time we had a 1,000-yard running back uh, since like 1984 or something like that. We also had a uh, a, a small, no-named, undersized linebacker in the Zach fifth Thomas. round, Mr. Zach Thomas. Now, this is interesting, Rookie so we all know year. about that. Zach Del Rio was the starter when he came in. He was supposed to be the starter, and he retired him uh mm. but that you know that and that's obviously the biggest name that we drafted uh that year but do you remember who was drafted in the round after zach thomas i do not sean wooden who went on to be a starting mm. safety for the miami dolphins for many many years so not a bad little draft pick to have daryl gardner zach thomas and sean wooden that's a decent draft in my opinion well and abdul jabbar was like what our best running back for a while until we got Ricky Williams fucking terrible Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was the worst but we uh we forced a thousand yard rusher at that point we just (laughs) ran the ball so often I just liked him that he was number 33 and he had to legally change his name because the real Kareem Abdul-Jabbar sued his ass (laughs) well it was weird too because uh his his name at uh he went to UCLA just like you know Lou Alcindor aka Kareem Abdul-Jabbar basketball went and then uh when he got his name when he he converted to Islam he got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and uh he had to change his name on the jersey to Adbul instead of Abdul because uh because of that so it was kind of interesting there but uh, anyway we went eight and eight we finished fourth we uh we won our first three games and then lost eight of the next 11 or some garbage like that and went eight and eight can you imagine an eight and eight miami dolphins team i can because that seems like that's been our entire life uh but this is the coin here chris so what is the topic that you'd like to talk about for uh the first half or second half of this show well i want to talk about um our little buddy i know we already mentioned him a little bit but i want to get a little bit more detail about Devontae parker Okay, you want to talk about Devontae Parker, who may be a former Finn. So I'm going to actually, uh, I'm going to throw in there that I want to talk about actual former Finns: Jay Ajayi, Namakon Sue, and Jarvis Landry, uh, Larry Curley, Moe, the three guys that I think most people associate with the talent being lost from the Miami Dolphins over the last year. I want to talk about their first week uh, with their new teams, although Jay Ajayi has already been with another team previous to that. But uh, I want to talk about former Finns. You want to talk about a current Finn, Devontae Parker. I've got this 1996 quarter. Oh, and, oh, by the way, we are going to preview the Jets game after that, so everybody just settle down. We're going to talk about the Jets as well um so we've got former fins and current fins to talk about call it in the air as always chris i am flipping now tails 
Oh, it is actually tails once again. I, I swear to God, this is a trick coin. I'm not even sure. <laughs> this coin actually looks like a key, which is weird. But anyway, it is tails, and uh, that means you get to go first. Would you like to kick off or defer to the second half? I'll actually uh, go ahead and receive here, and we'll start with Devontae since we kind of already uh, touched on him a little bit, and we can continue that. Well, why don't we go ahead and do that then? So the floor is yours, my good sir. Why don't you talk about Devontae Parker, about whatever it is you want to talk about? Devontae Parker, you're done with the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> okay, second half coming up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, honestly, I, I really think um, Adam Gase did not draft him. Um, he is on this team. Adam Gase and his staff has uh, been very public about uh, things previously and previous years and uh, currently about how he takes care of himself. Uh, Sam, I think you mentioned on uh, the show last year that Armando Saguero had a story about him staying up all night playing video games uh, prior to games, um, not eating right, tons of sugar, no water, not hydrated, cramps. Here we go. It's like babysitting an adult. Um, We've talked ad nauseum about Devontae Parker and uh, what he could be as an NFL player, and I think that's the most frustrating thing as a coach. Yeah, I can work with any kid that is undersized, that is not as fast, but gives me everything. I can work with them all day, all day of the week, twice on Sunday. I can work with that kid because he's giving me my all. He's uh, he's taking the coaching. He, he he's confident. He's he's just going for it. And that's Jakeem Grant is a perfect perfect aspect of that right there where he was undersized on a bubble possibly and he had to find a niche do something they find special teams prove when he got an opportunity in preseason to catch the ball or out leap butler on monday night football last year that's how you take those um opportunities and just run with them that's what you do and for a coach like adam gates that has the personality he does the tree he comes from the nick saban bilicek slash tree where he comes from he is a no-nonsense type of guy and he will work with and give you playing time uh in spite of you even not even be the better player if parker comes back right now he's 100 percent healthy and he just like lights up a practice he probably will still play grant over him because he's earned it in, in multiple facets of the game, uh, his off-field work, his uh, body of work, his uh, taking care of himself off the field, those things will supersede whether or not you might help us a slightly differently or better on the field. Yes, I know he had a good season with Ryan Tannehill in 2016 before the injury. I know that um, you know there wasn't a lot of options last year with Jay Cutler or Matt Moore throwing him the ball. But Devontae Parker is hurt. Yes, it's something he cannot control this time. It is a hand, broken hand, broken finger, what have you. Um, but we tell the kids when we coach, and I know Adam Gase and these guys do too, there's a difference between being hurt and being injured. Uh, that's a big difference. And when you have already called the wolf uh, multiple times, and it's not been there. Uh, no one's going to believe you. You know, the boy who cried wolf. That it's just one of those things with Devonte Parker, where, yeah, maybe you're finally actually hurt this time. Uh, but if you call out of work sick five times, Sam, and you actually really get the flu, no one's going to feel sorry for you. Like when you call out again, you're still going to be reprimanded. There's still a process in place there where there's. Um, possible termination and i think here with adam gase getting the guys he wants the wilsons the gesickis the drake and the gores the guys that just yes sir show up go to work run the route tree stills worked his ass off to run that route tree that's all guys taking away jobs from someone else and that someone else is number 11 Devonte parker there's no reason he needs to deal with it he's not going to overpay this guy i think like you alluded to earlier sam and i'm sure you agree but please take the floor i think Devonte parker's days with the miami dolphins are very very shortly numbered 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think Travis Wingfield uh, pointed this out, which I hadn't put it together, but it's absolutely true. Uh, Devontae Parker has never played week one for the Miami Dolphins, wow. uh, be it weather related or be it injuries or being it, you know, told just to not play. Um, that's saying something. I mean, this guy has a hurt finger and even today was in uh, limited practice mode. Um, William Hayes has a hurt finger practiced all day today. So, I mean, it's just those types of things where I, I don't know what William Hayes' finger injury is versus Devontae Parker's, but as you mentioned, at some point it happens so often that you become fatigued and you're like, you know what, we can't rely on this guy. And I think Adam Gase and my, the Miami Dolphins have built in a system now where they don't have to rely on him. You know, him being gone doesn't mean anything because you have a Danny Amendola, because you have an Albert Wilson, because you have a Jakeem Grant, because you have all these other guys who have already stepped up and proven to them that they can be there week in, week out, day in, day out. Uh, I agree. I don't think Devontae Parker is long for the Miami Dolphins world, and I really don't care. I mean, I really liked Jarvis Landry, um, maybe not so much anymore, but I really liked him when he was on the Miami Dolphins, but I understood that he was a pain in Adam Gase's ass. But the reason why Adam Gase, um, you know, tolerated it for two years is because Jarvis Landry produced. Jarvis Landry went to practice. Jarvis Landry got in every single game. Every time he got hit, he got up and he went back to the huddle. Devontae Parker, you know, I think if he opens up a soda can the wrong way, he gets a hangnail and he's out for five fucking weeks. Like, you can't rely on that. This is football. I mean, Jesus, go somewhere else. Go to another team. Go to the Raiders. They like their fast, big wide receivers. Go over there and just do nothing. I mean, I just, I agree with you. I think Devontae Parker is about Devontae fucking done here with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, because he's been parking on the sidelines for far too long. And uh, it would not surprise me if, uh, I, I mean, I'll go as far as this. It would not surprise me if we get consistent play for the next couple of weeks if the Miami Dolphins just flat out cut him. Like, they just might go, you know what? Bye. I, I can yeah. see him doing it. They can absorb it. Doesn't, they don't need him on this team. They're not going to find a trade partner. Nobody's going to take him for you know uh, that year uh, or the, whatever's left on that contract that they picked up. Uh, they'll just cut him and walk away. I, I really do think that that could be a possibility. They have enough depth at other positions and the wide receiver, uh, You know those talented positions where they don't need him. And uh, he's pretty much you know, unhustled his way out of a job, which is sad because nobody denies his talent. Uh, we're just kind of questioning the heart. Yeah, and and that's the worst thing because you can't coach that, you can't teach that, you can't uh, beg that into existence. If you just don't want to do it, um, which to be clear, I'm not saying this specific injury that's happened right now is a heart thing. I'm not I'm not saying that, but when you've already laid that carpet down, when you've already made that reputation for yourself. There's just no sympathy left for anybody uh, watching in the locker room, uh, the coaching staff, or otherwise. I have a feeling um, if Hard Knox was on the Miami Dolphins this year and Jarvis Landry was on our team, he would have had that same speech, and he would have been directly, indirectly talking right to Devontae Parker. Uh, that famous speech he had where he said, if you're not fucking hurt, get out in the field and fucking practice because now more guys are taking your reps and they're actually getting hurt and they're getting bumps and bruises because you're not out there getting reps. You need to get out in the fucking field. If you're not hurt, get out there. And I feel like that might have been something festering <laughs> for four years uh, since 2015 when Devontae Parker joined the team and they were supposed to be this like, you know, thunder and lightning type of group um, that just never happened. And Devontae Parker has every physical skill set you could beg for if a genie popped up right now and gave a receiver in high school 
three wishes. They would wish for size, speed, and uh, catching ability, and he has all three, and it's just not correlated to anything in the NFL. He has eight total touchdowns. He's been in the league since 2015. Jarvis Landry had more than that just last season. Um, it's just it's just one of those things, man. I just Like you said, Gase has his guys. He did not draft Devontae Parker. He's going to spread the ball around. We saw it Sunday. It was very equally distributed, and that just keeps your opponent guessing, which is great. That's what you want. Um, and that's what the New England Patriots blueprint has been for years, man. I mean, I know they have Gronk, but, I mean, one game Edelman can have 150 yards. I hate having any of their players on fantasy because you never know what's going to happen. Like yeah. one week, you know, Edelman's going to have 150 yards. Next week he has two catches, one target, or three targets, and Gronk has 150 yards. So you, you never know, and that's what keeps defenses guessing. If you have one guy you're just going to target and throw 15 balls to a game, it's a little easier to kind of game plan against. And I think that's why the Lions, after Calvin Johnson retired, uh, Stafford had one of his better years the next year because he was able to spread their ball around and didn't have to force it to one guy. Devontae Parker has just um, lazied his way out of a job for the Miami Dolphins, and they can be cut, or he might be a healthy scratch in the next couple of weeks. But um, I don't think he's going to be playing here uh, after the season at all, if so that. Let me ask you that. That's where I was going to go and to, to kind of wrap up the Devontae Parker discussion because we're now talking about Devontae Parker longer than he's actually per- participated in Miami Dolphins drills here in the last couple <laughs> of weeks. Uh, if you had to put a percentage on Devontae Parker being a Miami Dolphin for the entire season, uh, what would you put that percentage at? 40%. See, I'm going to go 20. I, I, I really yeah. do think that uh, he is in the doghouse, and I, and I think he knows it. And uh, I think it's just a matter of seeing if they can continue to have sustained success with the little midgets that they have around him <laughs> uh, and without him. And if they can, I bet you if they go into like uh, that that fourth week, and let's just say they're 3-0 and against the New England Patriots, if they can beat the Patriots without Devontae Parker, if they can go four weeks and they can beat the Patriots, I think Devontae Parker goes bye-bye. That's my opinion yeah. That's a great call, and and I put it at 40 because I can see him coming back and maybe picking up a little bit of the chemistry, um, and they already are paying him this year, and they can see the juice isn't worth the squeeze to let him go, but um, I, I still see it more, uh, the way, the scale's weighted a lot more of him being released than uh, being here till the end of the season. Okay, so what are your percentages of him being a Miami Dolphin next season? Oh, man, I'd say 5 to 10%. 0. 0. <laughs> that's that's my official prediction. He will not be a Miami Dolphin next year whatsoever. I think he if we don't say goodbye from Perfectville this season, they will say it in the off season. I don't think he lasts uh too much longer here in the aqua and orange. Uh what else is not going to last here is the first half of Perfectville a long one, Chris, but we had a lot to talk about. That's the fun part about this show during the season. There's just so much to talk about and uh once we come back from halftime, we'll have so much to talk about once again. We have another What's up, citizens of Perfectville? It is Sam, here to talk about Amazon.com by way of WelcomeToPerfectville.com. It's time to do all that back-to-school shopping. It's time to get the cool new jerseys for the football season. Time to do all of that fun stuff. But why do it at a store? You're going to have yelling kids everywhere. You're going to have smelly people in front of you, gross people behind you, checkers who don't care whether you live or die. That's right. They don't care if you live or die. Why deal with the human condition when you can do all of that shopping and more at Amazon.com by going to WelcomeToPerfectville.com? Yeah, that's all you got to do. Just click on the Amazon.com banner when you go to our website, and it'll take you directly to Amazon.com where you can do all of your regular shopping. No hidden fees, no extra charges, but since you went to Amazon.com by clicking the link on our website first, 
It helps your favorite podcast continue to go. So there is no downside, ladies and gentlemen. Just click the link at welcometoperfectville.com to go to amazon.com and do all of your shopping. All of it. Literally all of it. Food, clothes, utensils, zombie apocalypse, bug out bag, any of it. All of it. Amazon.com. Welcometoperfectville.com. Seriously, I don't even know why you're still listening to this commercial. Go to welcometoperfectville.com, click on the Amazon.com link, do all of your shopping, no hidden fees, no extra charges, and when you're done with that, come back and listen to the second half of Perfectville, which is happening right now. And we are back with the second half of Perfectville here, Chris, and it is my turn for my topic. And I want to talk about the former Finns. I want to talk about Jay Ajayi and Dominic Sue and Jarvis Landry, guys that we know well. Um, and uh, some guys we like, some guys we don't. Uh, they had, these former Finns had uh, pretty good success. First of all, Jay Ajayi on Thursday night with the Philadelphia Eagles had 62 yards rushing on 15 attempts for 4.1 yard per carry average, but really had two touchdowns and uh, also had a two-point conversion and really was the catalyst for the Philadelphia Eagles beating the Atlanta Falcons on Thursday night. Uh, and Domicon Sue on Monday night against the Oakland Raiders, uh, his Rams did win. But he uh, he only had two tackles, so maybe not a big big day uh, in terms of stats. But Jarvis Landry, um, who I don't know how you feel about Jarvis Landry right now. I think I have an idea. Seven receptions, 106 yards, and the Cleveland Browns did not lose. Uh, obviously, they did not win. They had a tie against the Pittsburgh Steelers, which I maintain if you are a team that ties the Cleveland Browns, you should actually officially be docked a win, so it should be counted as a loss. Uh, but Cleveland, off to their best start since 2004 with 0-0-1. Uh, part of that has to do with Jarvis Landry. What do you think of J.H.I.? and Dominican Sue and Jarvis Landry's uh, debuts for this season for other teams. And uh, are you happy or upset at their success early? Um, I, I mean, I'm indifferent on their um, success. They're, they're off our team. I don't really give a shit. Um, I didn't even watch the Rams game, and I hardly watched the Eagles game. That was a fucking snooze fest. Um, and I definitely didn't watch the Browns game. So um, I, I did see the highlights. I did read about it. And the first thing I guess I'll, I'll talk about, and more importantly, is Jarvis Landry. Yeah, he had a great game, uh, 100-something yards, receiving a, what, a touchdown or two. Um, no touchdowns, but he did have 100 yards okay. receiving on seven receptions. So seven catches, 100 yards receiving, great. They didn't win. Like, And that's where, like we've been saying this whole time, we got it. You're a good receiver, but are you worth – and same thing with Ndamukong and Sue as well. Uh, did they win that game, the Rams, because Ndamukong and Sue was on their team? No. Did the Browns win with Jarvis Landry? No. Did they do better than normal? Yeah, but they tied um, to the Steelers after four picks. I think four picks on Ben Roethlisberger, no Le'Veon Bell, and they still couldn't get a victory. Um, yeah, point. yeah. Point. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just like, did you do enough to change the game? Where I'm going to make you a top five paid receiver or defensive tackle in the league? What did we do? What was our run defense ranked with Nandamak and Sue? What was our offense ranked with Jarvis Landry? This is a team 
fucking sport. And if we can spread the ball around to four or five catches per guy for four guys, Amendola, Wilson, Stills, Gesicki, Parker, Grant, whoever's in there, if we can get the ball spread around and we still win the game, that is all that matters. That is all that matters. How many Super Bowls did the Vikings win with Randy Moss destroying teams? None. How many Super Bowls did the Patriots win with Randy Moss destroying teams? Fucking none. Thanks, Giants. So it's just one of those things where you have to have that fine line, that seesaw of how much is this guy going to really make a difference on our Sundays? Is it going to be a victory or is it worth the the squeeze, the juice worth the squeeze? The second time I'm going to say this now and the more pun intended for Jarvis Landry, the juice, where am I going to pay this guy 16, 17, 18 million dollars a year to give me 100 yards on seven catches, no touchdowns, and we still don't win? Is it worth it? No. So good job. I'm glad they had good games, but I think it's proof that we can win with pieces that we put together. I said it before, Sam, that I'd rather have five good players on defense than one amazing player in Indomitian Sioux and trash behind them because we can't afford it. We need to spread the wealth and get just playmakers on our team, players that just buy into the team, the system, and make plays. We don't need superstars. We need guys doing their job. I uh, I found myself rooting for Jay Ajayi like, when he scored, and not just because he was on my fantasy team, but I was actually genuinely happy to see him succeed. And part of that is just <laughs> the way he actually runs the ball. I mean, yeah. yes, he said some shitty things about the Miami Dolphins and, and Adam Gase in particular, uh, but you watch the way that guy runs. He He's the same Jay Ajayi that he was when he was with the Miami Dolphins and that he's breaking tackles, he's fighting for every yard, he's scratching, he's clawing, and I was genuinely happy for his success, not only to mention that they also beat the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl, so it makes me like the Philadelphia Eagles just a little bit more. Um, but I found myself rooting for Jay Ajayi. I found myself not really caring about Ndamukong Su, which kind of surprised me because I like Ndamukong Su. I feel like I'm going to root for that guy. If you said, uh, do you want success for him or not? I would say, yes, I want success for him. But I really didn't care about his effort for the for the Los Angeles Rams. Um what surprised me is I was watching out of the corner of my eye during you know the seven-hour rain delay or whatever was going on in Miami. Um, I was watching a little bit of that Browns-Steelers game, and I found myself rooting against Jarvis Landry. And uh, that was weird for me because I don't like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't like Ben Roethlisberger. I want the Steelers to lose. They've been a thorn in my side for a very long time as an AFC fan. Um, and I don't hate the Cleveland Browns necessarily, but... I wanted them to lose, and I think that's because Jarvis Landry was on the Cleveland Browns or is on the Cleveland Browns. So every time that they were failing to get him the ball in the end zone because they targeted him a lot, I found myself actually pleasantly like happy about his failure you know, or his setback. Um, and it kind of bothered me that he got to 100 yards. So I found myself just, if I'm being honest, maybe rooting against Jarvis Landry, rooting for Jay Ajayi, and uh, really not giving a shit about Ndamukong Su. And that might be due to the fact that AFC-NFC split. I'm not sure. But uh, that's what I found myself. And I wasn't alone. Uh, all the Dolphins that I was with were uh, hating on Jarvis as well. So I think putting my finger on the pulse of the citizens of Perfectville and the Dolphins nationwide – uh, they don't like Jarvis Landry, and I understand why. Uh, I was surprised at my own reaction to him because I thought I'd be happy for him. I really wasn't. Yeah, I don't. I don't care about Jarvis Landry at all. Like the the way he left, um, really just soured any kind of like feeling I have for this guy. And I know he doesn't give 
any shits about me or my personal opinion on him I at all. I hope he does. I hope he's listening to this right now. And like, he's <laughs> oh, just Chris, like, I loved you, bro. Yeah. He's like looking at, he's like that Wolverine, right? He's looking at the picture in the bed, like that meme. And it's just a picture <laughs> of Chris. And then he just hears you trashing him right now. And he's just crying in his bed, like holding a picture of Chris Golan going, I thought you were the one. Well, we, we, it's one of those things where we were super on a side. Like, even if we saw the light at the end of the tunnel and knew this wasn't going to end correctly and it was going to end badly, I guess, just uh, relationship wise from the team, the franchise, the coach, and, and Jarvis. But um, we were always big fans of Jarvis Landry. Like, I love the way he played. I love the fire he brought. I even mentioned after losing him uh, that we're going to miss that. That's something yep. we're going to miss on the field. Um, but it's just the way he left, the way he continued to shit on Ryan Tannehill and Adam Gase and the franchise and the subtle type ways he passively, aggressively just mentioned stuff in the Sports Illustrated article about not getting the routes he wanted and the run outside. And uh, he just like counter, counter contradicted himself a few times. Uh, it was just – it just seemed really salty. Like, um, I don't know. It's just one of those things where – uh, he didn't thank the fan base. He didn't do any of those things that most normal people do in these situations that the fans have been unanimously on his side. I mean, I can see Ryan Tannehill leaving the Dolphins and and taking out a front page ad in the Herald saying thanks for the support or something when he's been very consistently uh, at least 50-50 shit on and then loved at the same time by this fan base. And I can still see him doing that because that's what you do. And Jarvis Landry was just unanimously loved and uh, did nothing of the sorts and continued on his grind of just uh, really just distancing himself from the Miami Dolphins fan base, the franchise, and the players on the team. And it's just it was disappointing. So to see him have any kind of success, great, I guess, whatever. Um, and if he has failures, great, I guess, whatever. I really am indifferent on Jarvis Landry and don't care uh, because it doesn't affect us. And after watching him on Hard Knocks, I felt like he was all about his brand. And uh, getting his clothing line out there and being this person he wanted to be, his persona, his character on camera. And it was just really standoffish and annoying that uh, I agree. I, I'm just rooting against the guy at this point. If Ryan Tannehill ever left the Miami Dolphins and put out a full page ad thanking the fans and the organization and, <laughs> and the city of Miami, half of the Dolphins out there would criticize the font he chose to write yeah, that letter. Or the in. grammar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can't imagine that that would end, uh, end well for Ryan Tannehill if that were ever to be the case. Uh, well, there you go. I mean, uh, those are our thoughts on the former Finns. That is the second half of the show. It is time for the greatest doll fails in Miami history. Chris, are you ready? I'm ready. Well, I uh, I feel like you were bracing yourself there. Uh, <laughs> but maybe Dramatic because you pause. Get, well, it might be because of the hurricane's bearing down on your ass, too. So it would be okay if you were to bear, brace yourself. But uh, this one was uh, a natural disaster from a few years ago. And this actually came from Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay motherfucking Packers, somebody that we will be facing later this year and of course i'm talking about week six of year 2014 and this was of course the miami dolphins up 24 to 20 late we're talking with a minute left in the game and aaron Rodgers does what aaron Rodgers does uh, which is to engineer a come from behind victory and when he did it against the miami dolphins of course he used the Dan Marino fake spike special. So in honor of us playing the Jets week two, where Dan Marino had one of his greatest accomplishments ever with the fake spike, we're talking. We're looking at the other side of that coin when Aaron Rodgers turned it on its head and used it against us. Take a listen to this. Here's, here comes the spike. 
The no, fake spike. He throws to Adams. And Devontae Adams is pulled out of bounds at the four-yard line. I told you the spike was coming. He fakes it. Devontae Adams, the rookie, all alone and takes it all the way to the five-yard line. Look at him get small in there. Wow. Showing pressure. They pick it up. The pass. Touchdown! Andrew Quarles, the tight end! With three seconds left, Aaron Rodgers hits Andrew Quarles, and the Packers take the lead. And the worst part about this, Chris, is before the fake spike and before the touchdown to a no-name tight end, uh, we had them at 4th and 10. And mm. uh, somehow Jordy Nelson is wide open and catches, uh, catches the ball, converts, and almost ran it in at that point, which would have at least given us an opportunity to uh, maybe engineer a drive back down. But as it was, they get the touchdown with three seconds left. Aaron Rodgers is turned into Aaron Godgers. And uh, the egg is all over the Miami Dolphins' face because we allowed somebody to fake spike us into a defeat. Uh, I remember, as, as I mentioned before, I was watching this in a diner, and I very, very loudly yelled, fuck! And everyone turned in the diner and looked at me when that happened. Uh, this is uh, one of the most embarrassing moments of my adult fanhood for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, it was terrible. And the worst part was is Joe Philbin called a timeout to give him a, a extra time and yeah. a chance to game plan against our defense. And then I don't even remember who the uh, the corner was. I think it was a throw out to the outside. All we had to do was literally take the outside leverage, force him inside and tackle him, and the clock would have ran out or at least had a second left. Instead, we took inside leverage and let them run out of bounds and stop the clock. It was just a shit show uh, from here to, to go, and we should have won that game, and it was just – Right there is a pinpoint uh, where Ryan Tannehill defenders come out and say, you know, he should have won that game. Like he should, that should be a victory on his mantle that he beat the Green Bay Packers. He faced Aaron Rodgers and bested him, but the defense absolutely and the head coaching and time and game management absolutely shit the bed, and he had nothing to do with it. He was on the sideline with a hat on watching it happen and uh no doubt any of the haters will ever use no one will ever use that um and agree to that but it's just one of those things where this is a team sport if we had Jarvis Landry on our team or Ryan Tannehill you like him or love him both were on the sidelines drinking Gatorade as this occurred we should have won that game it was a doll fail all the way and um I'm really mad you made me listen to that. Yeah, I put it on the fills. I put it on Joe Philbin for that timeout, and I put it on Philip Wheeler for allowing that touchdown to even happen. But, uh, oh, well, that was yesteryear. We get the Packers. We can get our payback this year, hopefully, in Green Bay later this year. Uh, but uh, speaking of the Packers and speaking of other things, NFL, it is time for three and out. Chris, are you ready for first down? I am ready, sir. Go ahead and go. The ball is all yours. All right, so John Gruden lost his opening game as a head coach for the Oakland Raiders, soon to be Las Vegas Raiders. Ten years, $100 million. Speaking of being overpaid, Sam, I would love to hear your thoughts on this one. Um, my thoughts were that, uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I thought the Rams looked like shit the first half of that game, and the Raiders actually were in it, and I was thinking, oh, wow, he's going to pull off an upset, and he's going to get the league talking. Uh, but then the Raiders remembered that they're the Raiders, and they raided all over themselves in the front and back of their pants, and the Los Angeles Rams decided, you know what? Uh, we're done playing house with these little idiots. We're going to just take over this entire game, and the defense just put the stamp on Derek Carr and everyone else. Um, I 
the feeling I get out here is that Raider fans don't care. I mean, I mean, they care because they're Raider fans. But I was talking to a guy on Saturday night, and he said, this is literally what he told me. He's a big Raider fan, and he said, you know, um, I'm probably going to have to find a new team. I love football too much to not root for a team, but I can't root for the Raiders once they leave Oakland. I'm going to have to root for another team. And he's actually thinking about rooting for the Miami Dolphins because he said the Miami Dolphins are the only team that voted against them moving to Las Vegas, and uh, he's not the first Raider fan to tell me that. So I told him, hey, he can hop on board anytime he wants. He's used to five, six wins a season. He will fit right in with the Miami Dolphin fan base. Um, I... I really didn't care. I kind of shrugged my shoulders. Like I said, I, I found myself being somewhat unemotional about that game, whether it be in Dominican Sioux or the Oakland Raiders, who are the team that I hate. Um, I knew they were going to lose, and uh, they lost badly the way they should have lost. So um, thank you for living up to my expectations, Oakland Raiders. There you go. Uh, second down is all yours, buddy. Second down, I'm going to talk about somebody, uh, Matt Patricia. He is downplaying the fact that the New York Jets players have come out and said that they knew the plays that the Detroit Lions were running on Monday night when they got boat raced out of their own stadium. Should he be concerned, or is this just something that the Jets are trying to get into his head? Maybe they're getting in his head, but I know Todd, Holt, uh, Todd Bowles, as uh, the head coach, has a lot of experience, not only as a defensive coordinator, but also against Matt Patricia, because he was our defensive backs coach and defensive coordinator for a while there and played against the New England Patriots twice a year. Maybe he just had a little uh, uh, a tell that Matt Patricia's teams gave. Uh, who knows? But uh, they did make Stafford look terrible with four picks, I think, and uh, completely housed them on Monday Night Football. So um, hopefully that was just a sign of they had a lot of mental a preparation where they had the tells and they're able to guess what was happening and it wasn't a sign of the Jets having a really strong fucking defense that we're about to face in a few days. Yeah, well, uh, personally, I find it terribly ironic that a Bill Belichick uh, defensive coordinator who's now a head coach uh, had the playbook turned on him. Uh, serves him right for hanging around with Bill Belichick for so long, but uh, also sucked for us because the New York Jets won, which means uh, three teams in the AFC East are tied for first with the Buffalo Bills all the way down there. Haven't won a game yet so far this season, even though it's only one week old. Uh, that is second down, third down, Chris. Third down, Andrew Luck. Uh, we were kind of joking about it a few months ago that he was not even throwing a football yet. Um, I think the uh, the quote of some kinds was he hadn't even picked up a pigskin, let alone thrown one because of his shoulder. He threw a uh, league-high 53 passes on Sunday. The Colts, Andrew Luck, are they uh, wasting this guy's talent? Well, of course they're wasting the talent. I mean, it's the Indianapolis Colts. They don't know what they're doing. They literally handed the franchise over to Peyton Manning for like 15 years and said, well, uh, why don't you just go ahead and call your own play? Because we don't know what the hell we're doing. Um, yeah, they don't know what they're doing. I, I, you know, Again, Andrew Luck, one of the reasons, uh, maybe if you want to call it a knock uh, for Andrew Luck for me, was that uh, he's got shit going on outside of football. I mean, this guy's a very smart guy. He went to Stanford. Uh, he comes from money. He doesn't need the money. He's not motivated necessarily by the money. He's motivated you know, maybe by the competition, but he's got other interests outside of being a quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, he could always be a voice actor for anybody who ever wants to play Frankenstein since he's got the <laughs> weirdest voice I've ever heard on a quarterback ever. Um, I just uh, I really don't care like the way you don't care about Jarvis Landry I don't care about Andrew Luck I mean I almost forgot he was in the league because it's been so long since I've heard his name uh, I do think that they let him throw the ball so many times by design uh, also because their running backs are terrible if Marlon Mack isn't playing there's nobody to hand the ball off to at all over there in Indianapolis but uh, good for him you know I'm happy for him I guess I don't I don't really have any feelings one way or the other he is in the friend zone for me Andrew Luck 
Well, and he can always go play in the XFL. Isn't his dad like the G, uh, the uh, commissioner or something now? Sure. Uh, whatever. Uh, I didn't know Vince McMahon was his dad, but cool. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, they hired a commissioner. I think it was his dad from – he was like a athletic director or something. But yeah, either that or it's that new league that's a co- uh, competitor against – Vince, but either way, uh, he he has another league to backtrack to, like you said. He has a fallback plan, multiple of them. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode of Perfectville in the books, and the sun was shining. Uh, it, we went long. We had a seven-hour delay during the actual podcast <laughs> recording, but uh, we've got everything done that we wanted to talk about, so there's nothing else to say other than goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Dolphinstock.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.